Uh, I want to invite to you uh, Matt Stephen. And uh, oh yeah, come on, give a hand to Matt. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, he is a youth mentor uh, to my boys. I am grateful to that. But more than that, he is also a pharmacist. He learned, very smart, intelligent young guy taking care of people in medicine. Right? Uh, really? Yes. <laughs> believe you believe you believe what I say. Okay. Yeah. I just believe. Um, and Vision 2020 is close to our church, to my heart. And they were also running the uh, medical ministry at Hope Silicon Valley last summer. That was our first time. And we want to share that vision, to broaden that vision so you'll catch on fire again. So let's go on a journey with Matt today. Shall we? <laughs> right? Let's give him a hand. Yes, brother. Take it. Yeah. Thank you. Good morning. Um, so occasionally Jesus, when he was teaching, uh, would have an encounter with a religious leader who was genuinely curious about what Jesus had to say. Now, it didn't happen often, um, but we find an example of this in Mark 12, uh, when one of the teachers of the law asks Jesus what was at the time a hotly debated question. He says, seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, the scribe asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be here as we look at this passage, as we look at our own health. Uh, Father, may this be your time. Give me your words. We pray this in your name. Amen. So the reason for this debate uh, comes from the fact that there are 613 separate commandments in the first five books, in the books of Moses. 613 so rabbis would regularly discuss which commandments had priority over others. If you had to break one to fulfill another, where do they rank? So this was something that would commonly come up. So here Jesus is willing to step into this debate and to actually give a good and satisfying answer. A little bit of context. The reason he gives a good answer is probably because of the scribe's intentions. The scribe is actually genuinely curious. Uh, if you look at the previous questions in this chapter, uh, the questions are mostly trying to trap him in a seemingly impossible scenario. But this one comes from the scribe's heart. And Jesus gives this answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as you've loved yourself. And this is what it all comes down to for Jesus. Um, it's in the context of these verses, keeping this in mind, that I want to talk to you today about your health. Now, I'm not here to talk about the health of the church. We have Dr. Hoyt, who's been working with our church for years, helping us with that. I'm not here to talk to you about your spiritual health. We have Pastor Valui, who does that on a weekly basis. You have small groups. You have your own private prayer and reflection time. Today, I want to talk to you about your health from a medical perspective. 
Now, some of you might be asking, you know, who's, who's this guy up on stage? Uh, why is he talking to me about my health? And I, and I get it. You know, I, I understand. I mean, it's not like I'm a doctor or, or anything. Uh, I am a doctor. Oh, well, that changes everything. All right. All right. Let's talk about your health. I'm going to first talk about your health as it relates to Jesus' commandments. Then I'm going to talk about how uh, we interact with our neighbors and affect their health. So as our pastor said a few weeks ago, um, this love that Jesus talks about is more than a feeling. Now, as soon as he said that, I started thinking Boston. And I'm like, more than a feeling. But really, this love is not just like the warm fuzzies inside. Um, This love refers to the covenant love that God has for humans. And then our response of love as part of that covenant to serve God. It's not so much something you say um, or feel, but it's something you do. It's a verb. So here Jesus is really giving a command that's like a call to action. So imagine it this way. He's saying the greatest commandment is this. Honor the covenant to God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when we think about this use of love, we need to see it not as Jesus begging for us to like him a lot with all the warm fuzzies inside. Jesus doesn't need our, like, admiration, okay? Jesus is not interested in being our boyfriend. The era of 1990s, I'm in love with Jesus, my boyfriend songs, is done. It's over and it's never coming back. I hear hear applause, yes. Jesus is calling us into service. And we need to be serving with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And friends, I'd say that a lot of us in here are not able to serve with all our heart, with all our soul, mind, and strength. And not because we're not trying hard. Uh, We humans are great at trying really, really hard. Um, It's not lack of effort. It's because we are not healthy enough to live up to our potential. Ouch. Yeah. See, God knows what he wants for us. He knows the plans he has. The Bible says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Right? And there are good plans. God wants good things for us. He wants us to succeed, to excel, to bring his kingdom here and do his work. It's not God's plan for us to be stuck in anxiety and depression. Can he make good come out of it? Yes. But he doesn't want us to stay there. It's not God's plan for us to be limited physically because of obesity. Can he use you as you are? Absolutely. But he wants you healthy and thriving. To whom much has been given, much is expected. And folks, we have unbelievable access to health care. I spent a couple weeks in Uganda a few years ago, and it's just eye-opening what we take for granted. Uh, life-saving medication here that's over-the-counter is just not available. You just can't get it. And you need to understand the kind of access that you have living in a country with abundant modern health care. 
It's not God's plan for us to die from preventable diseases. Okay. Get your flu shot. Come on, people. Get your flu shot. Ah. Oh. Okay, this flu season is terrible, and um, it's been really stressful at work. We see people coming in all the time for the flu. And of the people who have died in Santa Clara County, all of the deaths are people who did not have a flu shot. So get your flu shot. If you want to talk to me more about immunizations and shots, we'll do that later. Uh, I could go on forever, but that's a whole other sermon. Most of the people that are vulnerable uh, are, are children. They're the most vulnerable, I should say. That's what I meant to say. Sorry about that. Um, and we have had children die from the flu this year. And when children die, we often hear this like, Christian trope that says, well, I know it hurts, but it's all part of God's plan. And I think that that's a disservice to that person. I think that that's a disservice to God. I think that if anything, God is probably the first one who cries, knowing the potential of that child that is lost from something that could have been prevented. God uses us as we are and where we are. But there is always more potential for us to serve and do more for the kingdom. And I personally don't want to be limited in the kingdom work I can do based on what I'm feeling up to doing. Now, as I was preparing this, I got to this part and became really distressed, kind of like I am right now. Um, because I'm thinking about people who suffer from chronic uh, incurable diseases through no fault or failure of their own. And there's, there's especially one member of this church who came to mind. And I thought, how does their chronic pain and debilitating situation jive with what I just said? And I took a break for hours writing and preparing because I couldn't make it work. And the honest answer is I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know what God's plan is. I don't know what God wants for this person. But what I do know is that this person wants to be serving. They want to be in the trenches of ministry, changing lives. They stayed in and tried to fight through it for as long as they could. And I know that they have been everywhere and seen everyone and done everything available to try and get back in the game. And I don't know what the answer is to chronic debilitating diseases, but I know that I want to be like that member. And I want to be willing to do whatever it takes to reach my potential for the kingdom of God. So what do we need to do in order to keep healthy or to get healthy? Well, this list breaks down nicely into two uh, separate sections. So, Based on our best understanding of human anatomy and function, um, we would characterize heart, mind, and soul as like mental or cognitive functions. Okay? Um, they're different aspects of our consciousness. And you know, our, our heart is not really our anatomic heart. right? Our, when they talk about our heart, they're talking about our passions. Uh, our mind is what we think, what we perceive, uh, our judgment. Our soul is our mental abilities like character and feeling, and memory. And from a medical perspective, these are all brain functions, okay? And they're all... Um, so I've grouped all three of these together to collectively address our head. And brothers and sisters, some of us are not right in the head. 
first among you. Okay, don't worry. Uh, that, that sounds really insensitive. But what I mean is that many of us are struggling with ailments that cannot be seen. They cannot be touched or examined. Uh, they cannot be biopsied. They cannot be cut out with a scalpel or a blade. Now, these are plagues of the mind. And the church needs to stand with and stand for these people to end the stigma of mental health care. This is a fantastic opportunity for us to realize that if every life is precious, if all of God's children deserve respect and to be loved and to be honored, then mental health patients are no different. This is something that the church can and needs to do. Over 16 million Americans deal with depression in a given year. Half don't seek any treatment. 40 million deal with anxiety disorders. 25 million of them never receive any treatment. That should be unacceptable. And the reason for that is not because of a lack of access. The reason it's below 50% for both is because of the stigma. It's because they're told that any sign of weakness lowers their value. But if we're finding our value from Christ, if our friends and our patients and ourselves know that they have value because they're a child of God, then you can help peel away the stigma of mental health care. Now, that's just two mental health needs, anxiety and depression. Uh, And in a room of this size, we have people who are affected. We have people who have shared, who have shared their struggles. Uh, we have people who are receiving help, treatment, medication, therapy. Uh, and we have others who aren't there yet. We may have other members fighting other mental health challenges that we don't know about because they're compensating for them. And we just don't see it. But they're there. And it's something that we need to stand up for and help with. Jesus lists these three heart, mind, and soul first. So let's deal with them first. Our church has two licensed therapists here who can help get you on the way to recovery. We have Nicole Wieson and Jessica McClenaghan who are both licensed marriage and family therapists. Now, you don't have to see them. Okay, That could be a little strange. I I get it. Um, But they can direct you to colleagues, to resources, um, to treatment that's available. And this goes for men and women. Men, we are undertreated and we need help. It's time to get our head in order. And once the head is in order, then we can move on to the rest of our body. So let's talk about serving God with all our strength. Let's have a little health ed chat, shall we? Is everybody comfortable? There's some people shifting in their seats here. You know what's coming. Yeah. Uh, America might be one of the only countries where the following string of words gets put together. But for a lot of us in this building, Jesus wants us to eat less. Yeah, I said it. I'm sorry. And uh, I don't just mean fasting from cake uh, for January um, or giving up soda for Lent. <laughs> we, we are eating ourselves to death in this country. While deaths in America from preventable disease, uh, accidents, cancers, and more are falling, the one thing that keeps rising is heart disease. We're in denial about our weight. We're in denial about our blood pressure. We're in denial that our blood sugar is high. 
And when you combine that denial with our country's unique healthcare system, there's a lot of room for improvement in our health. And we, the church, need to step up and help and be a guiding light to help people get back on board and get healthy. Again, to whom much has been given, much is expected. And when we don't live up to our end of the bargain, right? When we're not fulfilling the covenant, when we're not taking care of ourselves, we find ourselves in the situation where we're underperforming for kingdom work. So we need to address whatever it is that's limiting our capacity for kingdom work or is threatening to cut short the time that we have to do that work. So please don't get your pitchforks and torches. Uh, know that this is coming from love, okay? <laughs> Some of us need to stop smoking, okay? Uh, this includes vaping. Yes, it's not as bad, um, but that's like saying, well, I only drink a shot of antifreeze instead of the whole pint. It's like, no, stop drinking antifreeze. Stop smoking. I know it's hard. It's one of the hardest things to do, but smoking is also one of the single worst things you can do to your body to reduce your life expectancy and your quality of life. Some of us need to lose weight. So, yeah. Boy, I, I, I feel you. I'm, I'm fighting it, all right? Um, come on, y'all. Stop with the fad diets. Stop with the cleanses. None of them are going to work. They don't work. The secret to weight loss is simple and terrifying. Here's the equation for weight loss. Calories in, less than, calories out. That's it. Eat less than your body burns. And now I'm not saying it's easy, by no means, okay? Don't get me wrong. Uh, but that's how your body works. And I know that this is incredibly uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortable for some people. Imagine how I feel telling you this, okay? <laughs> But here's the good news. Here's the relief, all right? We start to relax. Um, we have people in this church who want to help you. Okay? We have people who are trained and who know what we're doing. You want to quit smoking? You want to lose weight in a healthy way? You want help with your blood sugar, with your blood pressure, with asthma? You have questions about medication? You don't know what you're taking, and even less what you're taking it for. That's what we do. The medical ministry team, we've, we've got you covered. We want to provide the education, the counseling, the resources to get you back on that path to being the healthiest that you can possibly be. And we've been there not only as practitioners, but also we've all also been patients. And so we know how hard it is to hear your doctor tell you there's a problem with something, especially your weight. When your doctor tells you something has to change, it, it can like, right in the gut, right? Or maybe you all like being told to make a giant change. I don't know. Um, but for most people, that's not high on their list of things they'd like to do. But know that when we make a recommendation, when I tell you that you need to quit smoking, um, it's not only because I want you to be healthy and to prevent complications, but it's also because I love you like Jesus loves you. And I want the best for your life. And we want you to thrive and be able to do the kingdom work that God has called you to do. 
That's where this comes from. This is not judgment. This is setting ourselves up to do kingdom work. And if we're not healthy, we can't do it. Plain and simple. So here's what we need. We, the medical ministry team, need to know what you need. Okay, we're not mind readers. Therapists are close. But I'm, I'm not. Right? I can't even tell what my wife needs. <laughs> we can put on classes about low-carb diets to help with blood sugar. We can do smoking cessation groups where people quit together with the help of medication. Uh, we can have group therapy for substance use. I can give you the greatest 10-part series on lowering your risk of heart attack and stroke, but if nobody comes and nobody needs it, it's for nothing. I don't need practice speaking. My vocal cords work fine. But if that's something that people need, that's what I do. Let me serve you. Let us serve you. I provide education to people all day. Imagine how much joy it would bring me to do it to my family instead of just somebody who's paying me to do it. Okay? I love my patients. I try to treat them like family, but it's not the same. You are family, and we want to serve you. So you need to tell us what you need. And then we need to tell you, we need you to tell us what the people around you need. Because as we get ourselves healthy, we'll need to move beyond the church and actually get into the loving your neighbor part. Because we can't forget about that. Okay? Their needs are going to be pretty similar to yours. Uh, in America, we suffer from kind of the same sort of things. We have high blood pressure, we're overweight, we have diabetes, we need mental health care. Their needs are your needs. So tell us what you need. Help us create program, classes, groups, whatever it is. And then we take that and reach out to our neighbors. The reason we do this is because um, in the Great Commission, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. Jesus doesn't say go and make conversions. Okay? Disciples. If we're notching souls saved for Christ in our Bible, but we're not helping them actually live a life that experiences some of God's kingdom while they're alive on earth, then we're doing half the job. I spent a number of years in college, and uh, one of the critiques that I run into uh, quite often from my uh, age demographic, um, a critique of the global church is that we are hypocrites. And we say one thing and we do another. Uh, and a point that's been brought up to me uh, over and over is they see the church concerned with saving souls, um, but ignoring the desperate, the downtrodden, those who have physical needs. Uh, accuse us of turning away people in their time in need because we're only concerned about you know, saving souls for Jesus. And people, um, one of the things that came up in this past year, people pointed me toward uh, Joel Osteen's church in Houston, where he was accused of closing the church doors while the city flooded. And then Joel himself had to go into major public relations mode on every broadcast channel that would book him. Well, more personally, I have a friend who's both very conservative and an atheist. And he has frequently lamented that churches should not be tax-exempt organizations. He believes combatively that giving to churches should not be tax-deductible. 
Why does he think this? Why do some of his peers agree with him? It's because people don't see us actually caring for the poor and the weak and the sick. They don't see any return from the money that gets donated. So this is how we address that. And this right here. Beyond the classes for you and your friends, we need to reach the community of people who would never come to a class or lecture because it's held in a church. And this is where Hope Silicon Valley, Hope Fest, Hope SV, Hope, the Big H, whatever we're calling it, can shine. This is where we come through. One of the big aspects of Hope is to put on a health fair. What is a health fair? A health fair is essentially basic screening of health diseases to point somebody to where they need to go. Okay? So, for example, what did we do last year? Primarily, we did blood pressure screening. We also did some blood sugar screening. Just looking to see what your blood sugar is, right? Now, in that situation, we cannot diagnose. Um, we can't prescribe treatment. But why do it then? It's so that we can say to this person, hey, your blood pressure is 200 over 120. Are you on any blood pressure medication? Like, no, but I did some cocaine last night. I'm like, well, this is an actual conversation. That would explain why your blood pressure is high. Um, he's like, yeah, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do cocaine. I'm like, well, uh, it's certainly not doing you any favors. It's certainly not helping your blood pressure. We had another woman who came through and checked her blood sugar, and her random blood sugar was over 300. Reference range. Um, she had not eaten, so she was fasting. Should have been below 100. Okay. I would have taken up to 120. Over 300. If I had a physician there, that's clinical diagnosis of diabetes. doesn't matter whether she's eaten or not. But she's not seen a healthcare provider. Nobody's ever told her she has diabetes. So why do we do it? It's so we can point somebody to where they need to go. You need to follow up with a physician. When was the last time you saw your doctor? You need to be seen and evaluated and addressed. And we point them toward that in the same way that we also take somebody who comes in and needs spiritual help and we say, you need Jesus. Have you met him? Can I introduce you to my friend who has the cure for what's ailing you inside? But we have to deal with both the physical, my body is dying, and also the spiritual, my soul is dying. If I do one or the other, I'm doing half the work. We need to address both. So it's time for us to get serious about our health. We need to undo the stigma of mental health care. We need to seriously appreciate the bodies that we've been gifted with. And once we're back to operating at our full potential, once we've dealt with, as Jesus puts it, the plank in our own eye, this time think physical plank, we have an actual problem, then we move on to making disciples. People who not only know the name of Jesus, but who we care for and provide for and nurture spiritually and physically to be able to reach their full potential. Then we will have loved God with everything we have and we will have loved our neighbor as we have loved ourselves. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you have given us unparalleled access 
resources to help us. God, may we come together as a church and be serious about being good stewards of our bodies. May we use our health to do your kingdom work. May we use our health to make disciples. Use us, God, as we put on Hope Silicon Valley again. Use us to reach your community and to bring people into a relationship with you. I pray this in your name. Amen.